Hello. So today we're going to talk about detachment from the ego and how that can impact on your self-esteem. A mate of mine, we'll call him Jay, who's been following me on the Street Fight Secrets channel for a long time, wrote me a message and said, in one of your, vi in one of your videos, in one of your videos on SFS, you said how one of the best things you could do for self-protection is to not walk around with such a bloated ego that other people can prick so easily. So in terms of self-defense, um, if a, a lot of fights really, like I always say, what fills up the accidents and emergency units on a Friday and Saturday night and what police have to fill most of their crime reports out for, for, for assault uh, is ego. Usually, most of the time it's ego based. So if you diminish your ego, then you're less likely to get into fights. Then in the podcast with the seduction guys, you said how many people get into martial arts training because they fear having to be assertive. That was the podcast I did with um, um, Jordan Harbinger of The Art of Charm, which is worth a listen if you're interested, uh, if I do say so myself. Sam Vaknin was also interviewed uh, on The Art of Charm on the Jordan Harbinger podcast, and that, that's a good one too. Um, so Jay asks... I kind of find he's on more Zen type material at the moment and he says I kind of find that if I concentrate on letting go of the ego in a Zen way, my self-esteem drops. For the past for the for the past two months I've been doing it and I started to get a bit of a oh no, I'm insignificant feeling. Is this something you could address? I know I'm insignificant in the big scheme of things, but I find that whilst letting go of the attachment to the ego, status, etc. It makes total sense. It also screws with my self-esteem. Uh, that's not great because that means your self-esteem is coming, is rooted in uh, your status. So your sense of self-esteem is a is a is a is a funny one. Um, the ego is a funny one. Detachment from the ego is a funny one. Now, when I say they're funny, they're not funny. Ha ha. They can all be a bit of a red herring. Uh, like the concept of happiness, you know how um, it's well known this now, um, but it was it, it caused a bit of a stir when it first came out because it was so counterintuitive an idea. People started saying if you go straight for happiness, you'll never hit it. Happiness is kind of a byproduct of doing what you want to do. Uh, Slavoj Žižek has a nice little clip on the Big Think channel uh, that is titled "Why Be Happy When You Can Be Interesting." Um, and it's one of those things where if you go for it too directly, it doesn't seem to work. Self-esteem can be this bit of a red herring because it's very hard to define. And actually, self-esteem is usually, I think, the byproduct of doing uh, things for others. Um, Richard Bandler was the first person. I know I'm doing a lot of hyperlinking here. Uh, but Richard Bandler was the first person I ever heard suggest that, which was self-esteem um, doesn't really have meaning and if you want to feel better about yourself just do something nice like help an old lady cross the road um, you know if you see an old guy struggling with his shopping then go over and help him you know do something nice for people and contribute freely and give of yourself freely and you tend to feel good about yourself um, because the unconscious seems to operate in a way where it's like observing you like a, like a second person like another person and then gives you feelings and instincts to do stuff based on what you do so if the unconscious observes you behaving like a loser, then it goes, oh, we are a loser. Now we will feel bad. And if the unconscious observes you behaving like you're a winner, a winner, like you're doing stuff that um, is likely to lead to you being happy, fulfilled, successful, then you start to feel good. You start to feel motivated. 
So it is, self-esteem is a dodgy one, can be a bit of a red herring. And then you've got this letting go of attachment to the ego. Well, which ego are we talking about here? I mean, in the Zen tradition, that's all rooted in the East. But we, but the, the word ego is uh, Greek, um, I think. Let me just double check that. And it refers to the self. So I think it was actually, I think I'm right in saying this, um, via our model of uh, current linguistics, it was Freud who started talking about the ego first and, and popularized it. And he wasn't using it in the derogatory ter- in the derogatory sense that those coming from an Eastern philosophical template are. Okay, the word ego, it's a Latin and Greek word meaning I. Now, when Freud used it, he meant um, that it was it was like, it's your way of interacting with reality and it's your individualized sense of self. To hyperlink again, Terence McKenna said, you need your ego so that you put the food into your mouth, not into the other person's. So you can't always be boundary dissolved. You can't function in the world. If I have no ego, Terence McKenna was using it as a, as a funny example, but if I have no sense of self, what is to stop me whilst eating to just not put the food in my mouth, but to put it in yours? Because we are now one. So you are fed, we are fed, this is done. And then I would, you know, it's a silly example, but it's a nice comic book way of, of, of very clearly thinking about it. So ego is necessary. Ego is a Western word in Latin, it would be rooted in Latin and Greek philosophy. When Freud was using it, he was like, if you have an underdeveloped ego or, or an ego that has been corrupted or perverted in some way, then you will have problems. So the ego in the Western template is a good thing. Now, uh, the word for ego in Sanskrit is ahamkara, ahamkara, aham, ahamkara. Hello. Did you know that uh, most of the European languages are rooted in Sanskrit? Uh, so ahamkara is a Sanskrit term that is related to the ego and egoism. So now we've got a problem of translation. There's a whole series of videos I'm planning on doing that are about religious texts, particularly uh, the Bible, the Christian Bible, where there are words that are translated from the multiple languages that the Bible is written in that have actually uh, uh, screwed things up. So we're using words out of context where they shouldn't be used. Ahamkara is a Sanskrit term that is the identification or attachment of one's ego. But that one word, ahamkara, gets translated to ego in English. So do you see the problem? What they're actually saying is, uh, so, so okay, let's, let's back up, let's, let's calm down. I've got a bit of sweat on with my excitement there. When you read a Zen text, when you read a piece of uh, philosophy from the East, which will be rooted, uh, Zen is rooted in Hinduism. Uh, Buddhism is a, is a branch of Hinduism. It's like, you know, Christ was born a Jew. Well, the Buddha was born a Hindu. Um, so this is, it's all rooted in Hinduism. It's very, very old. Uh, 3,000 year old Vedic philosophy where Aham, the Ahamkara is Aham refers to the concept of the self and Kara refers to the concept of any created thing or to do. So when they say, when the East says ego, implicit in that is two concepts, the ego and the attachment to it. So when they say detach from the ego, they're saying detach from ahamkara, which sounds great in a Scouse accent, ahamkara, what you need to do, lads, is you need to detach from your attachment to the self, so it's not the self. 
So it's not the ego. They don't say destroy the ego because if you destroy the ego, we can destroy your ego. We'll just give you a small incision in the prefrontal lobes and use you as a hat stand because you won't have a sense of self anymore. That's actually very easy to do. It's called a lobotomy. Uh, a frontal lobotomy is a destruction of the ego. You will have no sense of self anymore. So that's really easy to do. If that solved all your problems, you could probably do it at home. Just take a chisel and just bang it with a hammer and you oh, I've got no ego left. Um, you need your ego. You need it to survive. But if it's dirty or corrupt, then it gets messed up. So a ham kara, a ham is the ego. Is the is the is the self kara is the attachment because it means any created thing or to do. So there's a verb, there's self, and then there's something. There's like let's call it masturbation. So a ham kara in the Eastern philosophy means ego masturbation, but that gets translated as let go of ego. But what it actually says is let go of ego masturbation. So be careful if you start following any path that you. Uh, uh, Okay, back it up again, Richie. You're getting excited. I might have had too much coffee today. I'm not sure. You've got to be very careful as Westerners when we take on Eastern philosophy because it is not developed by us. It is not uh, appropriate to our cultural template. I can say that having lived in Asia for two years, in some ways, we vastly over-exaggerate the differences between East and West. But in other ways, we vastly underestimate it. For one thing, you've got to remember, culture here is very old. India is very, very old. China is very, very old. England is very, very new. Uh, America, even newer than... Americans look at England and go, oh, it's ancient, you have buildings and castles that are like 800 years old. Indians look at that and laugh. Cambodians would look at that and laugh. Oh, 800 years old. It's old, old, old. So there's, there's much more... Uh, just the weight of history is 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 here, and it's it, it, some people say that they can feel it. Like if you come to a country like Malaysia, uh, some people will say they they feel the weight of 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 the country in the air. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, th I think it's easy for for the mind to get impressed, and I try to stay away from uh, impressions like that if I can because it screws with my critical thinking. Um, but but. For all Westerners, I would say really immersion in Zen is a bad idea. Now, I started out in the Zen tra tradition and it did help me in some ways, but uh, it can also, I was discussing this with a client just yesterday. Uh, she's, she's, a, she's a good therapist and, and, and has a good background in, in spirituality and particularly in Buddhism. She didn't go the Zen route, which was the one I went because of martial arts. In martial arts, they tend to give you Zen because it was the preferred school of philosophy of the, of the people who were promoting the martial way, the samurai. Um, and also there is a similar thing in China, which is the root of the Zen tradition. It's a basically a very, it's like a soldier's way of doing spirituality. So it's very assertive, it's very strict, and it's very about the moment and your ability to take action decisively with one thought and one thought only. So again, is it really appropriate for, you know, middle class uh you know, uh, uh, housewives or, or bankers or accountants or, um, you know, uh, whatever, probably not. It's not designed for you. The system is context specific. As time has gone by and as I, I went through my process of, of being a martial arts instructor and developing my own martial arts system that was rooted in psychology, by the end, I came to the conclusion that everything is context specific. 
So alone, if we just take the context of the language here, we can deconstruct how this desire to be detached from the ego can be uh, a little bit of a mistake. I'm rambling here a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, so I would say be very, very sceptical with all Eastern uh, tradition material and, and anybody who's, who's feeding it to you. Make sure they really understand what they're doing. Be very sceptical of anything that encourages you to just let go of the ego. But one more thing I noticed here, mate, and this applies for everybody, is if by detaching from your sense of self and your status, you mentioned particularly, that your self-esteem goes down, then that suggests your self-esteem is rooted in external things. So here, hereby I go back around the houses and I'm gonna sound like your typical, um, there's a gale force wind that has picked up in the last two minutes of me talking. A storm has lit, it's gone from bright blue skies to a storm. Now things are falling over. My goodness me, this is exciting. I'm gonna have to wrap this up because that wind noise is gonna get annoying. If you're really, really attached to your status and your material things out there in the world, then yes, you are gonna, um, uh, and, and your self-esteem goes down, then yeah, you're probably overtaxed that stuff. You, your value, sir, and your value to anybody else watching this is not rooted in your status. It shouldn't just be rooted in who you are. Um, it needs to, I know that this is gonna sound like sophistry really and almost a platitude, it does need to come from within. So if by going, oh, you know, I'll let go of my status, my external story, who I am, and you actually start to feel bad, then I would suggest maybe you should do something else to raise your self-esteem and it will probably be rooted in contribution. The one main sickness of Western society is um, an ex excessive and neurotic adherence to a philosophy of individualism, which can make you very, very sick. We are tribal beings, we do need each other, and if we don't feel like we're giving, we'll, the self-esteem will go down. I think I'm literally gonna have to go around and close the windows because this storm is a little, a nice little tropical storm has blown in. As I'm slagging off Eastern spirituality, the spirits of Malaysia are, are, are punishment. I wasn't slagging it off, I was saying that we don't understand the proper thing. The word is, Ahamkara, and uh, it translates not as ego, but as ego wanking. Okay, guys, I think that's enough for that. Thank you very much for your time and your attention. I'll speak to you again soon.